Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Belonging Brand Podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down for a Zoom discussion with three local community organizers, Annalisha, Amanda, and Lauren. This past summer, Annalisha and Lauren participated in Imagine Brantford's town hall discussion about the racialized history of Brantford and strategies for cultivating an anti-racist future. Amanda is the co-founder of Unite Against Hate, a local community resource for anti-racism education, collaboration, and support. In this episode, we chat about the year 2020 and what it means to imagine community care as we move ahead into the wintry months of 2021. just turn up my volume all the way. Okay, so if you folks wouldn't mind introducing yourselves and telling us about a hidden gem in your neighborhood that you love. Yes, I'll go first. Um, my name is Annalisha Jamieson, and I am a youth counselor at the Sexual Assault Center of Brandt. Um, I've only been here for about six years, so I'm still getting to know the city, but my current hidden gem in my neighborhood is actually this new Black-owned variety store called Grace African Store. Uh, it just popped up about two months ago, and I love it. I buy, I can buy goat there to make curry goat, um, and they have this bread that like practically melts in your mouth. I am obsessed with um, And it just reminds me of all the West Indian shops that I would go to with my family growing up in the greater Toronto area. I also bought some hair from there and one of the women that are kind of like the front of the store braided my box braids. So, and they look amazing. I'm really excited and happy about it. So, and she even checked in a couple days later to make sure they weren't painful, which was really, really sweet. Um, it's small now, but I'm excited to see it grow. So everyone listening, please check it out. It's located at 164 Colburn Street West in the Tim's Plaza. I'm Amanda from United Against Hate slash CD Print and Design slash Z. Uh, what you see behind you is our screen printing studio, but things are good. We've got lots planned for the new year hopefully a video project early this year or next year and um the city hall did you see my post that i went to talk with the mayor yeah (laughs) yeah so they invited us down which was awesome and we were able to talk in the council chamber (laughs) because it's the only place where you can socially distance properly that's so funny i was like they said do you mind if we we talk in not at all Uh, yeah, so it's great. Oh, yeah, we do have lots of plans for the new year. I would like to include a hidden gem in my neighborhood. First of all, there's, of course, the church uh, that's like a block away from where we are currently. And that's the BME church. And it is tied to the Underground Railroad. Like, and not that it's hidden, but for some reason, not a lot of people know its history. So I think that's a definitely a gem. And um, a personal gem for me is Brand Food Center sandwiches. You gotta go to their deli if you partake in bread and cheese and everything, but that's what we eat. (laughs) Um, And it's like you get a full salad on a bun, it's fresh, and you get to pick your cheese and everything. It's like four fifty. It's really good. Hello, my name is Lauren Burrows, pronounced she, her. Uh, and I'm an educator, community organizer, and activist on uh, the territory of Anishinaabe, Anishinaabe Neutral People. I, I live in Brant County, and I provide my sort of daily labor to Wilfrid Laurier University and their Center for Student Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion on the Brantford campus. And I would say that my neighborhood obviously has a lot of gems. I would think uh, one is the little free pantry that we have in our community, which is a community different project that provides food and other supplies to folks in need. And 
yeah, without judgment or gatekeeping. And so it's a mutual aid effort. I think that's really rad. Uh, and then one is there's a house a couple of blocks from mine. And it's someone who has a lot of access to wealth and also a massive holiday spirit. So it's like lit up. <laughs> and I imagine that's what the great Gatsby house would look like if he lived in my neighborhood. Um, and uh, yeah, so I really like driving by that house. <laughs> Winter presents us with a lot of challenges in community that can only really be cared for through community and showing up. So I'm thinking about like encampment support, resourcing each other, delivering food supplies to folks who need them, loneliness, mental health, that sort of thing. Um, at the same time, winter is a cozy and festive season. And I know for a lot of community organizers, that means trying really hard to be around for your people. It means sharing food, showing up for each other, and sometimes celebration. How are you maintaining and adapting togetherness in this time? For me, I have been trying to practice like a pay it forward perspective. And so anything that I'm grateful for, I'm trying to share with my community. So um, if I'm making a meal, I'm trying to share a meal. If I'm putting up my holiday lights, I'm trying to share holiday lights with someone who might not uh, have access to decorating this year. If I'm working on my resume, I've offered to like, you know, edit someone else's resume. Um, I've been calling to check in on folks. Uh, I have a friend who has been parenting um, two small children and working full time and um, supporting a partner who's ill. And so one night, because I had the capacity, I paired for an Airbnb for her to have a night to herself. Like I've literally been trying to get creative um, for folks. I think that um, there are a lot of things that we can do that provide like joy and love and care in sort of these small daily ways um, or like bridge a, an immediate need for people who, um, yeah, who are really struggling right now. I also think that like a lot of this work that we're doing um, to create togetherness is, is I don't want to use the word band-aid, but is somewhat temporary and doesn't sort of relieve these broader structural things. And so I think a lot of what I'm thinking about as well is that these experiences of, of isolation or these experiences of violence or harm or precarity that have come up now are, have always existed and they're just being exasperated or made worse right now. And so I'm also thinking about how do I continue to fight for the rights of seasonal agricultural workers or how do I continue to fight for more resources around harm reduction for those in our community or how do I support folks in creating more access to accessible and affordable housing and healthcare and the things that we like really need for our communities to survive. So I think a little bit of both, like trying to show people that I care through sort of those daily pieces and then also continuing to do um, sort of the activism and community organizing that is meant to shift these systems towards more just spaces to live in, you know? Just in terms of how I'm adapting togetherness, it's more um, on a micro level. So it's just kind of figuring out how to spend time with my family because I don't have any family in Brantford. So it's been a bit hard during the pandemic. So it's just like a lot of phone calls and video calls. I did kind of like a Christmas gift drop off slash pick up a few weeks ago. So that was really nice to see family. Also super hard to have to keep the the distance and not being able to like hug everyone, but it made me feel a lot better, which was nice. And also in my family, food is just a big deal. Like that's really how we show our love through the generations. My grandma is particularly distressed that I won't be there for Christmas dinner. So she gave me a bunch of like traditional 
traditional foods, I guess. They would usually make for like breakfast and dinner. So she gave me ackee and saltfish, um, her special curry powder, because the curry powder I have is not good enough. That way I can almost have dinner with them, right? Kind of having the same dinner. But yeah, that's just pretty much what I've been kind of doing and just a lot of self-care on, on my part in terms of, I guess, feeling that, that like helping with the isolation that I'm feeling during this time. There's a lot of tension and stories of unbelonging in the news and on public social media forums right now about neighborhoods in Brantford and Brant especially. Um, Using your wildest imaginations, what would an an idyllic community care response be to unbelonging in your neighborhood? I got really excited about this because I love the word idyllic because then it's like, whoa, there's nothing stopping me. so the first thing I kind of just have jump notes, but like the first thing that I thought of was big ass community cookout slash block parties. Because when I think of belonging or unbelonging, I think how do we just bring all of us together in a way that feels just really organic and we get to socialize and have a good time, right? And I think it would just be awesome if in an ideal world we could do these big block parties where you can like try different foods and like cookouts and stuff. And that's kind of just on a on a fun level, but then in terms of actual community responses by maybe like the government. I think that would look like comprehensive a comprehensive response to addiction and then affordable rehab centers. Um and more mental health resources, more outreach, and just more education. I don't know how to, how to teach people to to be kind to people that are unhoused and struggling with addiction because I think a big component of unbelonging is just hateful attitudes towards people obviously that have been constructed by a bigger system right because it's easier to police people into believing whatever if we if we stereotype people so kind of working on that and then also cutting out I think there's been a lot of gentrification they call it revitalization but I just I see a lot of people being displaced so um, an ideal like community care response is actually taking care of their community as opposed to pushing them on the outskirts to attract people that have more wealth. Uh, I think it would also be cool to have more community centers um, and free recreation for youth and classes for adults and groups for seniors. Just so that once again, people, obviously this is hard. This is like outside of a pandemic, obviously, but just so people have more avenues for togetherness, I think it would be cool to just have, have those places for people. I know growing up, the community center in high school was big for a lot of us. That's how we had friends. That's where we hung out outside of school. So that's a big thing. And then obviously abolishing, I guess, traditional law enforcement measures um, and then and funding like competent, effective community responses to intimate partner violence and mental health in general, community education around things like gendered violence, homophobia, transphobia, um, racism, just because I think it's it's so many different components, right? It starts with that the, those attitudes because those attitudes make it easier to permit violence in a structural level. So that's my ideal response. Yeah, so I guess what we've been doing um, and what I want to continue doing is really focusing on your neighborhood. Because once you can impact your neighborhood and it kind of takes care of itself, then you'll have like fewer issues in the, the grand scheme of things, right? So like Neighborhood Watch, Neighborhood Association, yeah, just that, that kind of helps with the belonging. Like say hi to your neighbors. I mean, COVID is a strange time, right? Because you can't just go like knock on the door and 
people get weirded out, but that's definitely something I've always wanted to have happen. It's just like all of your neighbors know each other, you know, but also would respect like if you just want to walk in and not look <laughs> working on the park down the street from us and that got halted, but I wanted to just like have the whole neighborhood come and work on it together, like paint the basketball nets and fix the rims. We actually had this underway. Um, Taylor, I think, you know, Paul McDougal. Yeah. Yeah, I was, this is, that's how I met him is we were going to do this. It obviously had to stop when the lockdown happened, but it's still going to happen. Sherry Mark Park. So cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess my answer is just kind of not, not to say be exclusive to your neighborhood, but like look out for each other. Cause once you can do that and if all individual neighborhoods are doing that, we'll have less, less need for, uh, you know, my least favorite <laughs> institution. <laughs> People think that caring for people, loving people, cultivating a sense of belonging is easy (laughs) Um, or sometimes natural. Um, uh, And that sometimes we find that easier and natural to do with some folks around us. That might be our immediate family or our chosen family or some of the folks we work with. But often those circles of empathy don't extend very far for a lot of people. I also think that caring for people, loving people, if we consider love and care as an action, that it takes a lot of practice, right? And we have to learn how to do that and we have to become skilled. In my ideal community, we would all become really skilled to do this work. We become really skilled to care for each other. And there was recently an infographic shared by Chirara ACU, that's C-H-I-A-R-A dot A-C-U on Instagram. And they shared a bunch of seeds of ways that we could sow justice in the future. And I think these are particular areas for me that feel important for us to become more skilled in, because I think that the more skilled we become, the easier it is to cultivate care, love, belonging, acceptance, health, joy, all the things that we actually all want. That includes mutual aid, care pods, worker-owned co-ops, universal income, reparations, affordable housing, free health care, wealth redistribution, land back, free education, a solidarity economy, and nature over profits, right? And really looking at the ways in which we can learn how to shift away from things like individualism that makes us think that we're the only ones who matter. We see that a lot in the anti-mask culture that's happening right now, where people really are not caring about their communities, um, allow us to shift away from neoliberalism, which takes a lot of really important nonprofit work and turns it into sort of superficial work instead of meaningful things that provide support to people. We need to provide more resources to those folks to, to be able to create those structural changes so we can move past this, you know? And hopefully, I think all you can have is radical hope, because what what else is there rather than trying to have radical hope but um i really hope that um what this time does is it catalyzes it catalyzes a lot of us a lot of us who are racialized and queer and trans and disabled and you know precariously housed and survivors and folks that are whose voices normally weren't present um, in a lot of the discourses for our voices to move to the center and for for there to be a lot of skill sharing and empathy building and and learning how to negotiate a crisis with ideas of justice and sustainability and autonomy and reparations and all those like really important pieces in mind. A lot of people have been politicized, right? And I think that that's a really, that's a really important thing for showing up for your neighbors is like getting into the politics of what's happening in your space because I think like there are really important neighborly things to do. Like, you know, you know Notice that your neighbor's, you know, blue bin has blown into the street, bringing it out of the street is one of those things. But then also noticing that like when the prices of, you know, electricity or heat or water 
can go up, that that's going to disenfranchise your neighbor, maybe in a way that like is going to have a huge impact on their life. But to wrap that up, I would say I would like for us to be more skilled because I think that the more that we practice these things, the easier it is not only for us to understand difference, um, but to respond to it and to respond to people's needs and to do so in a way that builds community instead of breaks it down, right? So. Is there, yeah. is there anything like joyful we want to end on? Because I, I hate like moving everything into like this place of... I don't know. I liked your conversation about radical hope, Lauren, and I'm always afraid to like leave on a hopeless note. Um, I have tons of radical hope. Do you know what I mean? I have lots of radical hope. And that like, I honestly, um, I work with a lot of youth and the ways in which the youth that I work with are politicized, the ways that they think critically about the systems that they're in, the ways that they have started to engage, um, not only in like big P political stuff, but little P political stuff, uh, their perspectives on all sorts of things, consent, their perspectives on like how we build community, their perspectives on how we resist violence, their perspectives on, I don't know, like so many things are just like, so in my opinion, like enlightened and, and it's really amazing to see so many folks that are coming into the world in like such a cool way. So I feel like I feel really grateful for that. I feel really grateful for all the youth that I work with. And recently I did a workshop and it was an anti-racism workshop and it was for folks that were 65 plus who really wanted to start to unpack some experiences of racism. We're really excited about that. And so I was also excited about the fact that there are folks that are older as well that are really excited to do this learning journey, you know, and, and start to really look at the ways in which there are systems that create harm for people and um, really become more knowledgeable about that and develop more empathy and become more skilled, like I was saying before. So there are definitely a lot of people who are not only listening and learning, but actually listening and learning with the intent to act, right? And I think that's the important part with the intent to act this year, especially as COVID intersects with Black Lives Matter and Land Back and other um, really, really important fights for justice. Uh, so I feel I feel like there is hope and I hope that 2021 is just okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, where, that's where I'm going. <laughs> I like that that's the standard, just, just okay. We don't need anything fancy at all, just okay. Fancy. Yeah, <laughs> go, like, go into 2021, just nobody touch anything. We'll just yeah. go in quietly. It's <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, so just doing this is, is an answer to maintaining togetherness, right? Unfortunately, like I've been so busy that I have not been able to connect with people in this way a lot, but um, my plan in the new year is to do a lot more of this, especially if lockdown's happening, I'm gonna be home with the kids. You know, just seeing faces, is, it really helps. And like reaching out to people, not knowing they might need this, right? Even if they don't know they need it, like they might need to just see someone's face that is smiling at them, right? <laughs> yeah, the masks definitely take away from that togetherness feeling, right? Especially for visual people who kind of need to see the smile. And I, I've learned now to try and talk with my eyes, like, but I end up looking really weird. <laughs> no one has said anything yet, but I did it in the mirror and I realized I looked very creepy. <laughs>
Um, I think what I would add on to that, pretty much the same lines. It's just my favorite thing that I, I saw randomly on the internet. And it was kind of like when things feel hopeless, just look towards the helpers. Like, who are the people in your community helping and doing work? And and also kind of following that suit and, and seeing how you can help too, even in small ways, right? Because it makes the world feel a lot less hopeless, right? And it also makes the world, it just, I think it goes back to kind of um, when you were saying how everyone should be skilled in this work, right? Just slowly, slowly growing that so that you can really see like the need in your community and the fact that there's a lot more that you can do that maybe you never thought that you could do, right? So just kind of looking for that in small ways and seeing, you know, how you can make a difference in those small ways. For some people, depending on levels of like, you know, how we're we're marginalized, right? Some people might need a lot of help and some people, it might just be something small that really makes a big difference for them right so just taking the time to look to the helpers and then and also follow suit right i think it sometimes people you know like feel good stories so that they can feel good and be like okay it's not that bad don't have to worry about it but no still still give a shit, right <laughs> right do something um but just know you aren't alone in it right and that there are people doing this work and that you can make that difference So what does the future of community care look like to you? As we pause and reflect on the past year, here are some questions we'd love to leave you with. What were some ways you connected to community this year? What is something that happened this year that you'd like to celebrate? What new skills did you learn about tending to yourself and others this year? What made you laugh this year? What is something new you tried this year that you'll be taking with you into 2021? Feel free to stay up to date with the Belonging Brand Project by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also like and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Happy New Year, everyone.